I'm reading Matthew 5, verses 1 through to 12, often called the Beatitudes. Now, when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Okay, now I know we just looked at Matthew chapter 5, but I actually want to begin today with a short introduction following on from Luke's introduction um, in Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Now, Luke already mentioned this, but it says, um, After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. He says, The time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Now, these are the first words that Jesus says at the beginning of his ministry. So you kind of think about it, they're pretty important. They're the first things that he says, um, and he speaks about the kingdom of God. We live in a world of many kingdoms, from the more obvious ones, such as like the United Kingdom or the Kingdom of Bahrain, to the non-provincial examples, such as the cult-like followings of some YouTubers or other celebrities. And kingdoms are, are simple. They have people, and these people, they follow a ruler or someone in charge. They provide a source of identity for the people who live within it, and they can be places of protection, they can be places of refuge. There is one kingdom that we believe in as Christians, and this is the true kingdom, the kingdom of God, also known as the kingdom of heaven. A kingdom led by a king. That, if it's true, and if it's reality, it means that all worldly kingdoms aren't true. Kingdom reality is what we will be exploring over the next few weeks, and there's no better place to start than with Jesus' Jesus' most significant sermon. The Beatitudes, also known as the Blessings. Now, a a practice I like to do when looking into Bible verses is quite a simple one, and I'm going to share that with you today. So I start with, what is it? Then I go to, who is it for? Then what does it mean for those that it was written for or said to? And then finally, what does it mean for me now? The Bible is jam-packed with different styles and genres of writing. It goes from songs to genealogies to rules and commandments to inspirational writing to historical accounts to prophetic literature. And how we read something is important to how we understand it. If we read a genealogy as if it's a poem we're going to be very disappointed. If we read commandments and think of them as um, songs, it's not going to go well. 
For instance, let's take a look at the story of Jonah. Now, Jonah is a prophet of God who's been given a difficult task and one that he doesn't want to do. God challenges him and says that he has to do something, but he refuses and he runs away. He then gets on a big boat and there's a storm and then he gets eaten by a whale, changes his mind and listens to God. How are we supposed to read the book of Jonah? Do we peer through the use of imagery and metaphor, apply our knowledge of the New Testament symbolism and read this writing as a commentary on who God is and in place and like place it amongst the larger scheme of Old Testament prophets? Or is it a how-to guide? As Annalise and I begin to look at this church planting idea, it's very easy to think like Jonah. Why, God, do you want us to go out and make friends and minister to the non-believers? They're so terrifying. They have Sunday morning sleep-ins and they eat dinner straight away without saying grace. I know it'll help. Let's do what Jonah does. Okay, step one. Um, God tells you to do something, so you run away. Easy. We can run away. (laughs) No problem. Step two. Get on a boat in a storm. Eh, Annalise gets a bit seasick, so she probably won't enjoy it, but we can, we can do that. Step three. Now, the story of Jonah isn't a how-to guide. It's not a step-by-step process on what to do to listen to God. And it's pretty easy to kind of imagine um, to, that you don't have to apply this story literally. You don't have to do the things that Jonah did. The Beatitudes, however, they're a little bit different. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, when looking into this, I was thinking about how I could just take one or two and just kind of look at it, especially the first and the last one, because they talk about the kingdom of heaven. But the more and more I looked into it, the more I realized that they're all part of the same thing. And on first glance, um, I thought that this could actually be a recipe. This is the recipe and instructions on how to be blessed. So, step one, you need um, a cup of no money, 200 grams of sadness, one meek, a pinch of starvation, a dash of mercy, some purity to top it all off, and then just a little bit of persecution as well. And what do you get? The kingdom of heaven, right? Well, I think the end result through this is it should be right. It should be the kingdom of heaven. But I don't think that Jesus is guiding us through a recipe. I don't think we should read this as a recipe. Instead, I think he's doing something even more bizarre. I think he's painting a picture. Um, Can we go back to that um, slide before? So this here is, is is a picture of a recipe for a cheeseburger. But what's the purpose of this picture? Does anyone know? 
Is it to follow instructions so you can build a cheeseburger? No, this is actually a painting. It's to be framed and hung up on a wall. It's meant to look pretty. So what is this picture that Jesus is um, talking about? Well, this leads me to the second um, part of how I analyse a passage like this. Who was Jesus talking to? He was talking to the crowds and to his disciples. Now, they have two, they're two very significantly different groups of people, but they do have some things in common. They were poor, they didn't matter, and they knew that they didn't matter. How do we know this? Has anyone ever been to like a, a, a serious concert or an event where they say, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, and then they list off the names of the important people who are there? Okay, The Bible does it too. If someone important's there, it will say. It'll say, and Caesar was in attendance or something like that. For this, they just say the crowds and the disciples. So that tells us no one, no one of importance was there. Now, when I say importance, it's not kind of, we know that the disciples are important people in terms of historical, but in that time, they were not important people. They were not someone you would go to and say, hey, I, I need help running this thing, or I need your spiritual guidance, I need this. No, they were normal people. So what did it mean to those who this was said to, both in the original sermon, but also to the people who were reading the original scriptures? You see, I think Jesus was painting a picture of three different things, but they're kind of the same thing. And the first was a portrait of the people he was talking to. He was showing them that the blessings came to not, not to those who were strong or, or powerful or important. He, as soon as he began with the words, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, it's likely that everyone listening thought to themselves, hey, that's me. Jesus isn't saying these are the things that you need to become. He's saying these are the things that already are. He starts with who we are, not what we do. Now, the second image I think that Jesus is um, painting is that of the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven isn't like any that are on earth. It's the true kingdom, and therefore we can expect it to act differently and value things differently to what we see here. Jesus is sharing to his disciples a foretaste of the kingdom and the values that are ingrained within it. This is when we can head across to what the passage like this means for us today. What are the kingdoms of the world telling us? And do they align with the blessings that Jesus preached? In thinking about this, I I was doing a bit of exploring and I found an alternate version of these Beatitudes that I'd like to share. Um, And I want you to try and picture whether or not um, you hear that these are being valued in our modern day time. So this is called the Beatitudes of the world. Victorious are the rich, for they build their own kingdom. Victorious are the happy, for they avoid all sadness. Victorious are the proud, for they deserve what they earn. Victorious are the greedy, for they keep what they have. Victorious are the merciless, for they enforce their justice. Victorious are the selfish, for they please themselves. 
Victorious are the aggressors, for they take what they want. And victorious are the self-righteous, for only their opinion matters. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in this life. Maybe not all of them are completely accurate to what we see today, but and hopefully there's a little bit of king, heaven's kingdom influencing our world around us. But there is no doubt that the world outside of God has some different and often opposing values. And who even cares about being blessed? That's, that's not even in there. You want victory. We want to win. And all in all, this leads to, towards um, what you can get out of your life here and now, because that's what matters. There are two sides to the blessings, to the Beatitudes. There's the truth that Jesus shares about who the kingdom is for and the lies that we tell ourselves about what the kingdom's values really are. And we know it's, it, it, we know it's a contrast because you can't look at victorious of the rich for they build their own kingdom alongside blessed are the poor for they, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They, you, you can't have both. Now, a common question I get from people in the congregation when talking about the going out and being a part of um, a church plant is look around the congregation. We're not as big or as energetic or as youthful or stress-free that we've been in the past. Are you sure it's the right time to be taking people away for this venture. Just like Jonah, I am scared. And I know it's going to be hard. But, oh, sorry, and also, and there's a chance it won't work. Or at least won't work in the way we expect it will. But the value of, values of God's kingdom are different to the values the world tells us are important. Blessings come not to those who wait until they're at full strength and richness. Blessings come not to those who have 100% confidence and have everything planned out. Blessings come not to those who go with the flow, don't make a sound, and sit by as the world, let, and to let the world take over. And the demise of the church in Australia is an ex- excellent example of that. The final image I think that Jesus is painting is a reflection. You see... Jesus isn't just a great ethics professor who says, do this and be a good person. Jesus lives his whole life to share the kingdom of heaven and to share it with others so that it can bring them closer to it. Jesus' life is modelled around these kingdom values and as such, when we read them, we can see how they're pointing towards him. He wasn't rich. He was poor. He was meek. He was persecuted. Can you go through them all? So what are we going to do about it? Jesus started his ministry with the words I said at the beginning of this sermon. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom is near. The kingdom is close. I love that painting by Michelangelo. You see man reaching out with his his finger pointing towards God who's reaching down. And if you look close, there's a little gap. The kingdom of heaven 
isn't 100% here. It, we, we can see, we can see that the world isn't the kingdom of heaven right now, but it's near. I want to finish by reading out the Beatitudes one more time. And as I do, I want you to think about how you can see yourself living out these values and thinking about what the kingdom is like and how Jesus embodied it in his life, death and resurrection. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Dear God, we thank you for today. We thank you that you have blessed us. Not because of what we do, but because of what you are, God, and who you are. Help us, God, to see the values of your kingdom and how we can focus on them, how we can live them out in our lives. And God, please show us the way of the kingdom of heaven and how it differs from the kingdoms here on earth. In Jesus' name.